Hi. Good to see you all. Uh, my name is Jamie Moore. I serve as one of the elders and pastors here. And um, yeah, Mike, don't apologize. I appreciate you honoring uh, the pastors and staff. Don't apologize about that at all. Uh, we appreciate you all. And um, if you're a visitor and a guest with us, we're so glad that you're here uh, worshiping with us. Uh, we are continuing in our series on identity. Um, and I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we're continuing in this series, and uh, the title of the message today is one of our identities is that we're learners. Did you know that's one, <laughs> that's one of your identities? One of the things that uh, characterizes us as followers of Jesus is that we are learners. You know, it's, it's interesting, like in the entrepreneurial space and in, in marketplace space, there's a lot of talk about continuing education, investing in yourself, continuing to learn, continuing to grow. That is a kingdom principle that has that is found its way into the marketplace, and I, I'm grateful for that. But you do know that's a kingdom principle. Sometimes Christians think, uh, at least for a while I did, that, oh, I prayed a prayer, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian now. And I'm just going to like hold on and hope that I survive a crazy world until Jesus returns. And it has kind of a passive approach. You know what I'm saying? Amen. It's a little bit like, please, God, just come back. As opposed to, huh, what do Jesus and I get to learn? What, what do I get to learn about Jesus today that I have another day? What do I get to learn in this circumstance that I'm walking through right now? This really painful thing or this really awesome thing. What do I get to learn about Jesus, about the Father, about the Holy Spirit, about myself through this situation? So I want to encourage us today. Some of you already have that mindset, a very sort of growth mindset. I, I want to encourage you to take that mindset and put it into your kingdom life. That we are learners. Now, we've been talking about this identity series, and I mentioned just briefly last week that we've been going through uh, identity statements that are true of all of us. Things like, you are loved by God. You are free from condemnation in Christ. You have been adopted into his family. You are secure in Christ. We were looking at identity statements that are true of all of us in the room. If we are in Christ, these are true statements about us. And it's been great. We've been really taking our time through that. But now the series is actually taking a shift slightly where we're wanting to ask this question. Yes and amen. It is true that we are adopted. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're loved. We're secure. It's true of all of us. But do you also know that also we are very unique individually as well? And that God actually has specific plans, giftings, uh, ideas uh, ways of moving through each of us uniquely in the room. So there's some things that are true of us in terms of our identity, of all of us, yes and amen. Also, you sitting there right now have a unique identity in the mind and in the heart of the Father. And one of the great joys of life, one of the great joys of life is hearing what the Father says about you uniquely and then walking in that. So that's what we're talking about in this latter part of this series, and we're talking about it here, Ephesians 2, 10, that we are learners. Learners. 
The message is in three parts. Number one, I want to look at the fact that we are God's workmanship. We're going to look at that, Ephesians 2.10. Two, we're going to talk about learning to walk with Jesus from Matthew 11.28 to 30. Then I want to do some practical work uh, from Luke 3 and 4. I will not address all of chapters 3 and 4, but yeah, I'm going to pick up some things. What does this look like from Luke 3 and 4? And then we'll have some prayer time at the end. Sound good? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here with us. And just as we have sung, we tell you that you are a good, good father to us. Some of us have experienced painful fathers, uh, painful family situations, disappointment and hurt, even abuse. But we say to you, you are not like that. You are the greatest of all. You are a good father. We acknowledge you and we thank you. And for where we haven't quite realized your goodness, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will speak now to your people. That you would break off lies and past hurts, voices and narratives from family members that bring destruction and not life. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you bring freedom now. Father, you are a good, good Father. And Jesus, you are our King. You are our Savior. You are the Lord. And we honor you here in this place. We sing to you. For you are the one who has come and died and was raised for us that we might have access to the Father, that we might be adopted, that we would be free from condemnation, that we'd be free from guilt and shame, but that we would receive the righteousness of God in exchange for our brokenness and sin and rebellion. So, Jesus, we honor you. And Holy Spirit, you are the presence of the Father and the Son here in this place. And you are the teacher so I ask that you will come now and teach. And you're the comforter. I ask that you will come now and comfort. And you are the sanctifier. You are the one who makes us like Jesus. So I ask that you will come and challenge us and empower us to walk like Jesus and think like Jesus. So we give you this time. I ask that you will come and move among us, Father, Son, and Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, I want to remind you a little bit of what we talked about last week and, and uh, just press this point just slightly. Ephesians 2, verse 10. In fact, I'm going to back it up to verse 1 and just read right through it. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not, someone say not, and this is not your own doing. Let me read that again. Let's just make sure we're all on the same page. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." Tell you what, anytime I read the Bible, I have a hard time just not preaching through every verse that I'm reading. Like, I'm so excited about this. But do you see the flow of the gospel identity that's found? That actually our relationship with God is not something that we earn because of our good behaviors or our good works. But actually, this saving grace is given to us as a gift such that you cannot go around thinking, if I do good things, God will approve of me more and love me more and save me. You actually can't do that because actually it is a gift given to us. And then he says very clearly, this is not a result of works, this saving grace. It's not a result of works. Why? So that no one can boast. But there is a work. It's verse 10. But we are his, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, to actually do things which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We talked about this a little bit earlier, or last week, I should say, that the importance of works is this. The works that we do for God are based off of the fact that God is doing it through us. He loves us completely. We are free from condemnation. We're not trying to prove ourselves, but we get to partner with God and do good works. As opposed to religion, which says, do the good work so God will love you. Do you see the difference between those two? One is, I do good works hoping it's enough. The scales will balance out, and then I will, I will be considered worthy of like eternal life. The other is, by grace through faith in this Christ who has died for me on the cross in my place for my sin, taking my, the wrath that I deserve and giving me his righteousness. Because of that, because I am secure and loved and free from condemnation, he puts his spirit in me and now I get to do good works with him. There's a big difference between working for him and working with him. Does that make sense? <laughs> These are significant things, especially in the church. The church is confused. Many of us are confused. We think, oh, they want me to volunteer downstairs. I better do that so God will love me. What? Oh, I better go to church just so, so God will, like, bless me next week if I go to church. What? We don't work to earn God's love. We have been loved in Christ, and we get to work with him. Such that those works that we do, here's what's crazy. It's in the text. The works that we actually do were in the mind and the heart of the Father before time began. 
Did you know that? That's what the text says. So before, before the word spoke creation into being, second member of the Trinity, spoke creation into being, in the mind and in the heart of God the Father, he knew you and had plans for you like tomorrow for you to walk in. And he wants to walk with you. That's awesome, by the way. Just so some of you are looking at me a little dead-faced. That's awesome. It makes your Monday not nearly as Monday-y. You know what I'm saying? If you know that from before time began, the Father has been excited to do Monday with you. That we are his workmanship. And this is a beautiful word. That we are his workmanship. We are a unique aspect of creation that is unparalleled. I showed you some pictures. I want to show you again because I love these pictures so much. <laughs> pink fairy, well, actually, pink fairy armadillo. Does anybody remember where this thing is from? I mentioned it last week. This is like a fun little quiz. What? It's not Texas. Man, te Texas ain't running around with no pink armadillos. Come on now. We're a little bit strong, okay? You know, South America. Pink fairy armadillo. The second one. Look at that thing. Look at that thing. Glaucus Atlanticus. I'm using my strong Latin skills here. Um, blue dragon. Europe, South Africa, Eastern Australia. This blue dragon floats upside down just on the surface, and he's usually just a few centimeters long. He's got poison in those tips, on the tips of those whatever those things are, right? You say, Jamie, why are you showing us a pink fairy armadillo and a blue dragon? You know, sometimes we look at creation, we go, whoa. How creative is God? How, how creative is God that he would, he would make this? And we look at ourselves and we're like, I'm kind of like gross. Or we look at a, another person, another human being, and we go, you're kind of gross. Oh, you voted for, you're definitely gross. You know what I'm saying? But actually, as awesome as the pink fairy armadillo is and the blue dragon thing, we are uniquely, even more gloriously creatively beautiful in the eyes of God. We are actually made in the image of God. And we are his unique workmanship. One last picture. I didn't get to show you this last week. You see that thing? It's from the James Webb Telescope. One of the first images that the new James Webb Telescope uh, took. This is the Carina Nebula. It is 7,600 light years away. They call this the Cosmic Cliffs. Doesn't it look like a mountain range? <laughs> you see that? This is basically like a star factory. Like stars are just being birthed from this thing. 7,600 light years away. If you could move at the speed of light, which everyone knows, if you, turn a, if you turn a light switch on, how instantaneous does light feel like it comes to you? It's pretty instantaneous. If you could move that fast for 7,600 years, that's 7,600 years, you could move at that speed, you'd get to the Carina Nebula. And you, sitting here, are more gloriously, creatively, beautifully unique in God's eyes than this awesome thing. Amen. 
You are, in fact, his unique workmanship. And I'm not just talking about y'all. I'm talking about you specifically. This is what the text is saying. There is a uniqueness to you. The New Living Translation uh, translates this passage, for we are God's masterpiece. That's how the New Living Translation translates this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I'm, I'm, I'm just taking a little bit of time because many of us look in the mirror and we wish we were someone else. Uh, many of us compare ourselves to someone else at work, wishing we were as good as they are at their job. You know what I'm saying? Comparing ourselves with one another. Some of you, some of you even will come to church and you'll look at someone and you'll be like, oh, look, look, look at the great gifts that this person has. Look, look how great this girl is. And we compare ourselves with one another. But the, the truth of the matter is, actually, we are each uniquely and beautifully made. You, sitting there right now, before the first star began to shine, the Father had you in his mind and in his heart and was thinking about October, whatever, I can't wait. I can't wait for her to experience this day with me. While we're busy looking at the mirror and being like, I wish my nose wasn't going like that. You know what I'm saying? I want to encourage you. You are God's workmanship. He delights in you. And he has planned literally planned things for you to walk in. That's what the text says, that we would walk in them. So what does that look like? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. What, what does walking with Jesus look like? What is, it, what is walking as this workmanship of God? What does that look like? This is Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. I want to be as practical as possible today. Luke 11, I'm sorry, Matthew 11. I'm in the wrong gospel. Here we go, hold on. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Jesus writes this, Come to me. This is Jesus talking. He says, come to me. First thing, you, you want to learn how to walk with Jesus, walk as God's workmanship, you need to come to Jesus. Come to me, he says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, all of you who feel tired, discouraged, and exhausted today, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. That's what the text says. If you are tired and discouraged and feeling worn down, you need to come to Jesus today. And he says, I will give you rest. That's what the text says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he says this, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. There's that word again. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So a couple things I want you to see. I got a picture here. We don't usually talk about yokes, do we? This wooden beam that crosses these two animals is called a yoke. So when Jesus uses this imagery, he says, hey, take this beam, that's my beam, and put it on yourself and yoke up with me. That's what he just said. Now, here's an interesting question. Do, the, do those two animals look like that they're resting? <laughs> Does that look restful to you? We, we playing video games and, and snoozing? What? Uh, let me tell you something. <laughs> Jesus is so good that you can be working and live in rest. Many of us think, actually, rest is what I do when I'm not working. And that is true. Sabbath rest is a thing. But Jesus is describing a way of life in which even when I'm actively doing something, I'm actually experiencing rest. And I've, we've already intimated to some of those. Have you ever tried to do something and you're doing it to earn God's love? That's not restful, is it, right? But if I'm doing something and I'm doing it because I am loved by the Father, actually I experience rest in that work. There's, there's, a, there's an aspect of rest. I am at peace, another way to say rest. I am, I am at peace with myself. Or I'm doing work but I'm not trying to like perform for other people. You know what the least restful thing I have ever experienced in my life is doing things publicly and hoping all of y'all approve of this thing that I'm doing. You know how non-restful that is? You know how like there's so many conversations? I don't know if you know this. Uh, many times preachers, they'll be preaching or speaking and there's another dialogue going on in the background. I don't know if y'all know this. There's another dialogue in the background that goes, why'd you say that? That's really stupid. That, that really wasn't very, a very uh, good way to say that, Jamie. But actually, if I'm actually working with Jesus, preaching with Jesus, teaching with Jesus, and I don't need all of y'all to like think I'm awesome, I actually get to preach and rest at the same time. <laughs> and the same is true for you, actually. You get to actually partner and walk and work with Jesus and experience rest from other people's opinions from achievement, from earning his love, you get to experience rest. Now, biblically, yoke, uh, uh, this image of a yoke talks about um, service, work, and also joining together. And you see, the, you see the image there. These two animals are joined together by this yoke. There is a, a joining. So when we think about this, it'd be like if there's Jamie and then there's Jesus and there's a yoke between the two of us. That means when Jamie is going to work, Jesus is also working. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying? When, when you are living your life, doing whatever you're doing, Jesus wants to be yoked to you. Like, tomorrow, he wants to be yoked. Like, Jesus is here, 
and you're here. And the analogy breaks down because Jesus is actually in here by the Spirit. But you understand what I'm saying. So tomorrow you wake up. Actually, it's not you just waking up by yourself. Actually, Jesus is with you, yoked up, ready to go. And here's one of the great things about life. Sometimes we find difficulty in life because we're yoked to Jesus and Jesus has a plan. That's what the text said. From before time began, there were good works that you were to walk in. Isn't that what it said? The problem we get into is we wake up and we think that we're the boss of our life and we're yoked to Jesus and we just start trying to lead. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus has a plan. The reason sometimes things feel so difficult in your life and so unrestful is because Jesus is going this way and you're trying to go this way, but you're yoked to Jesus. Are y'all hearing me right now? See, like if tomorrow you woke up and you said, okay, Jesus, what are we going to do? I mean, there's things, I got to go to work. Like I'm going to work. How do you want to yoke up and do this work? And I want to be sensitive to you so that when I feel you go that way, I'm like, oh, okay, we're we're going, okay, great. Oh, we're going back this way. Apparently, that's how we learn. It's actually that tug of, oh, oh. Jesus just went that way. Oh, there's a coworker. I can't stand her. She's so, oh, Jesus just pulled something. Are y'all hearing me right now? I'm getting ready to walk into a staff meeting. I'm like super nervous about what they're going to think because I got to make some proposal. And all of a sudden I feel, oh, Jesus is doing something different than what I'm doing. It's it's growing in sensitivity to Jesus goes that way, so I'm going to go that way. As opposed to, no, Jesus, I'm the boss of my life. No, Jesus, I'm going to do it my way. See, I I hear the Lord saying, some of you have never even considered doing your life with Jesus being the boss instead of you. And part of it is the water that we swim in and the air that we breathe. Our cultural uh, worldview says this, you are your own boss. You will achieve your own destiny. Just get what's inside of you and manifest it. That's what our culture says. Biblical worldview says you're not your own boss. You have a boss, and his name is Jesus. You know the word Lord? You know, it's, it's a funny word. The word Lord, we don't walk around saying, Lord, my Lord. We don't, we don't, Lord is not a word that we use in our culture. Probably because we're not like, we, we left England. We're like, we're done with the royalty stuff, right? But you know, I, from a, for a contextual standpoint, this is why I use the word boss. Because Lord means boss in our culture. When you say Jesus is Lord, that means Jesus is the boss. Jesus gets to call the shots. It's not actually about me. I actually don't get to, at, at Marymount Church, I actually don't get to call the shots at this church. And our elder council That elder council does not call the shots at this church. Why? Because we're not the boss. Because we have a boss. And churches and individuals get in trouble in life when you're yoked to Jesus and you keep dragging Jesus to do your thing rather than being sensitive to what Jesus is doing. You want to grow in being the workmanship that he has created you to be, learn how to walk with Jesus. Learn how to walk with Jesus. Now, do you know that this passage that I'm talking about has been stamped on this church building? Did you know that? If you park, if you park down here, 
back parking lot, there's a bump out that we created this cross thing. There's a bump out. This is before my time. At the bottom of the bump out is this passage in the message translation. Here's, the, here's that passage in message. Are you tired? <laughs> I, love, I love that question because every one of us are like, yes. I, I love how relevant the word is. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let me submit something to you. As you learn to walk with Jesus, you will learn increasingly what it is to live free and light. Doesn't that sound really, really good? There's only one way with Jesus. There's only one strategy. It's, he says, come to me. Come to Jesus. Now, I love that uh, yoked image. I think this next image that we're about to see is a prophetic image for our church of this concept of being yoked with Jesus. Y'all know what this is? Three-legged sack race? You know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever done a three-legged sack race? Tell me, how easy is it to do a three-legged sack race if one person is going at a different speed than the other person? Anybody? How many times are you going to fall on your face? How about every time? Because you have, to, you have to get in rhythm, right? You know what I'm saying? This is what Jesus is talking about. I'm trying to give you an image that's a little bit easier than an oxen with a yoke because that's not an image that... Your life gets to look like that with Jesus, <laughs> He said you get to live freely and lightly. Do those, do those girls look like they're free and light? Does, does it look like they're at rest? Listen, this is a prophetic image. I'm, I'm not joking. This is actually a prophetic image over this church. That scripture on the bump out right back there, go, when you drive past, go read it. It's a prophetic scripture over this church. That this church is learning how to be free and how to be light in our approach to life. Why? Because we're obsessed with Jesus and he's free and light. And there's coming many who are worn out, tired, and burned out on religion, and they will find peace here. Because we're so great? Nope. But because we're learning how to get in rhythm with Jesus. Tanya, don't be surprised. Some of you are in the room, actually. <laughs> you're tired, you're worn out, and you're burned out on religion. And Jesus is here saying, why don't you come to me? So I, I want to encourage you to think through, what would my day look like tomorrow if it was a day where I was in a three-legged sack race with Jesus? And I am most concerned about like where his hip is and length of step. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Where, where my, primary, my primary goal is to figure out, okay, so, so Jesus is like this tall, and then he takes a step, so i got to figure out there. Are you, you see what I'm saying? What does it look like if life tomorrow is going, Jesus, what are you doing right now? And how do I step with you? Um, this will also date me. There was a, a slogan called WWJD. Do you remember this? What would Jesus do? They gave little bracelets and it's WWJD. We were, all, we were like high school students. We're like, yeah, what would Jesus do? I don't know why I just did that, but you know. <laughs> I think it's actually what is Jesus doing? It's not what would Jesus do, and then I'm going to what would Jesus do? I'm just going to make up something. I think he would, like, walk this little lady off across the road, right? No, actually, it's what is Jesus doing? Because apparently he has good works for you to do tomorrow that he prepared before time began. So what is Jesus doing, and what is he doing right now in this circumstance, and how am I going to step with Jesus? So how about this? Like when you enter into a conversation with someone, how about asking the question, Jesus, what are you saying in this conversation? Like listening to the person and listening to Jesus and stepping with Jesus. As opposed to, oh gosh, I need this person to like me and love me, so then I get all anxious and I got to say the right things, right? Or I need to prove myself to this person and, and show my great achievements. Have you ever been around somebody who's always talking about their achievements and you're like, oh my gosh, you're exhausting. My wife lives with one of those, right? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you get around people and they're so locked up. You're like, what, 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 what is happening with you? How many of you know that Jesus actually wants to speak through you to that person? Let's set them free. <laughs> if we would just walk with Jesus, just step with him. Okay. <laughs> his yoke is easy and his burden is light. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And the only reason it doesn't feel easy and light in your life is because you are pulling away from him rather than walking with him. Let me say that again, because that was really good. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My, my potato sack is easy and light. And the only reason it doesn't feel easy and light in your life is because you're trying to go this way and Jesus is going that way. If you learned how to walk with Jesus, the works that you do are easy and light and rest. That's what the text says. So here's how, here's how I think about that in my mind. Because I've done all kinds of things, and it didn't feel easy, and it didn't feel light. This is how I approach that. When stuff starts to feel really weird, like that feeling of like, this seems really hard. It seems like I'm having to push through something. I take that as a moment to say, Jesus, where are you? Where are you right now? Because apparently I'm walking this way and you're walking that way. So listen, use that as a trigger to back to Jesus. When, when things feel heavy, to use it as a trigger to come back to Jesus and walk with him. Now, hear me when I am not saying life all of a sudden gets perfect. 
What it said about Jesus is that he's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus experienced all kinds of difficult things, but apparently he was at rest, even in difficult things. I'm not suggesting if I just listen to Jesus, my whole life will just become unicorns and candy canes. No, actually still difficult, but now I have rest because I'm walking with Jesus through this difficult thing. So use that as a trigger when you, things feel hard and like ugh, something is off to find where Jesus is. Okay. <laughs> I found a quote. I just want to read this quote, and then I'm going to invite Jess to come up here. We're going to do something practical. Here's a quote. I don't know who this person is. I found him on Twitter. You know how like, Twitter will just like suggest people to you? Listen to this quote. This guy's name is Shane Pruitt, and he held a big basketball out like this. And he said this. If this basketball is taken out of my hands and placed in Michael Jordan's hands, its worth will increase immensely because he knows what to do with it. Let, let me read that again because that's really good. He said, if this basketball is taken out of my hands and is placed into Michael Jordan's hand, its worth is, it increases immensely because he knows what to do with it. He says, same with life. My life in the hands of Jesus is always worth more than in my own hands because he knows what to do with it. We're, our culture is obsessed. Achieve your destiny. Leave a legacy. Find your purpose. Rah. Right? You will find your infinite and eternal purpose in the hands of Jesus, not you figuring it out yourself. Don't, don't, don't look within. I just got to discover who I am. No, you don't. You need to discover Jesus. And you need to learn how to walk with Jesus. And then he will tell you who you are. If you look inside to find out who you are, you will be misled. If I listen to the Father, Son, and Spirit and walk with Jesus, he will tell me exactly who I am. And I will experience the unique and creativeness that I've been created for in my life. I'm going to invite Jess up here. Because I, I, I want to give an opportunity. Yeah, come on. I want to let Jess just share. Because sometimes when people hear, sometimes when people hear a pastor talking about this, they're like, that's great. You, just, you basically just work on Sundays only, and you sit around and pray all day. So it's great for you. That's not true, by the way, but you know what I'm saying. Um, but like, what, what does this look like in a marketplace situation? So I want to invite Jess to just share a little bit about that. How does that work for you? So you may think the same of a pastor's wife, but that's also not true. <laughs> um, so some of you guys probably already know, but I'm a therapist um, and just recently actually started my own counseling practice. And um, so I wanted to, Jamie asked me to talk to you guys just a little bit about what that looks like for me to kind of walk with Jesus throughout the day because he's got way better things to say to people than I do. Mm -hmm. um, and so I consistently uh, rely on him for the words to give to people or, you know, advice or whatever that looks like, reflections to folks. So um, when I start my day, I, um, before I even roll out of bed, I just say, okay, Jesus, it's, it's you. You have, to, you have to do things today or people aren't going to get set free um, mm -hmm. of things. And so I just kind of start my day like that. And then as I um, 
you know, start meeting with people, I just, I listen to him as I'm, as people are talking to me. I'm, uh, he's highlighting things to me either that they're saying or things they're not saying. Um, and, and, you know, things to pull out and kind of talk to, talk to folks about reflections to give. Um, so I'm just constantly listening to him. And um, some of my clients aren't believers, and that doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, he still obviously really talks um, to us about, about un unbelievers, maybe even sometimes more than believers. But um, so, and then I don't necessarily say, you know, hey, Jake, Jesus is saying this to you. But, you know, I say what I hear Jesus saying, and that's what he's saying to them. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of typically how I walk through my, my day. I know another um, example, before we came to Cincinnati, in Oklahoma, I was running programs for a nationwide nonprofit um, in the state of Oklahoma, and um, so I did a lot of other things. I didn't do a lot of face-to-face -face counseling. I did, like, hiring and firing and, you know, building relationships with, you know, the governor and stuff like that. Um, and so I had a lot of opportunities to partner with him um, to, like, listen to him in interviews, like, Somebody could look really great on paper. Is this person supposed to be with us? Mm -hmm. Is this person supposed to be helping kids and families? You know, um, I would listen to people. Even some of the most redemptive conversations I ever had with people were um, disciplinary conversations, right? Where somebody got written up for performance issues or whatever, and um, we were able to really partner together um, to kind of redeem that, redeem that issue most of the time. Um, so. Really, what I what I want to tell you, I think sometimes we don't know how to do this, right? How do we mm. how do we even like put our leg in the sack? And and hundred percent, all it is is a choice. It's just a choice. Like mm. I'm gonna choose today to partner with Jesus in whatever it is I'm doing, and whatever. Sometimes, like I'll be at home and my kids will be struggling with something, and I'll just say, Jesus, what do you want to say to them? You know, I don't I don't know. I don't know how to help them through this situation. Like, tell me what, tell me how to do this. Um, so it's, it's literally just a choice that we make um, to partner, to partner with the Lord. And he'll speak to you. You just got to be listening. Um, and then when he tells you to do something, do it. And is every, again, is everything always rainbows and unicorns? No. There's really hard things, right? There's really, really hard things that we walk through and um, tough you know, situations that you look at day to day um, as you walk through your life, whether it's in a business setting, home setting, whatever. But um, as we're partnering with Jesus, like Jamie said, the, um, the burden isn't there because it's not my burden. It's not my job to help someone come to wholeness and healing. It's actually Jesus' job. Amen. So I, I just, I just kind of like partner with him and ask him to do it through mm. me and ask him to give me ears to hear. Mm -hmm. So Awesome. Great job. So I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite prayer teams to come up as well, just set up up here. We're just going to take a few moments to pray. I mentioned when we first started this identity series, the very first sermon I remember preaching it, and I heard... And when I say I heard the Lord, I heard an internal voice. So it wasn't like someone out here. It was internal voice. While I was preaching, I heard him say, Jamie, take your time. Because in my mind, I was like, okay, we're going to do this identity series. Let's just do it a couple of weeks and let's move on. He said, no, 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 take your time. And I, I think this last part of this series 
where each of you and us as a church family are discovering our uniqueness, the unique identities that God has created us for. We, we need to see it more like, let's take our time and listen to Jesus and walk with him through this rather than let's just get through it so we can get into 2023. You know what I'm saying? So I want to encourage you to take your time with Jesus this week. Jesus. 